Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Yamba Jamba. Karibuni Kalisani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Being a Manchester City fan, the past few weeks have been the greatest in our history. We finally got our hands on the Champions League. Now, some of you may switch off at the talk of football or even Manchester City, but bear with me as today we are talking about redemption. And the reason I'm using Manchester City's recent European win as an example is because this has come out a lot of heartache. There have been lost finals and semi-finals, disallowed VAR goals and last-minute goals conceded. You can probably sense the pain in my voice as I'm telling you, but it's okay because we have finally got one. The redemption story I want to talk about is City's ex-player Carlos Tevez and his fall from a fan favourite to a villain came in Champions League game in 2011. City's then manager, Mancini, called upon Tevez to come off the bench later on in the game as City found themselves 2-0 down. Tevez, however, refused to come onto the pitch. Everyone was shocked, the players, the management and the fans. How could Tevez let everyone down and why did he do it? Mancini was asked after the game if he will ever pick Tevez again and he replied, no, if we want to improve like a team, like a squad, Carlos cannot play with us. With me, no, it is finished. Tevez was then banished from the club for six months and it looked like his career was over at City. However, Tevez was offered the chance of redemption as City's season needed a new lease of life on their quest to be crowned champions of the Premier League. Much to everyone's surprise, Tevez was called back to the first team in a must-win game versus Chelsea. He came off the bench to a few boos in the crowd in the 66th minute as City were 1-0 down. However, those boos soon changed to cheers as Tevez was pivotal in changing the game around and City going on to win 2-1. City went on to win the title that year for the first time in 44 years with Tevez playing such a key role in the last six weeks of the season. Despite being ostracised for six months, Tevez' redemption story came through desperation for what the club were trying to achieve. He was offered forgiveness by the fans and the club because he won the Premier League. Football fans are a fickle bunch. I don't know about you, but there's something so great about a redemption story. However, a lot of the great redemption stories we know, whether that is in sport or in film or in real life, come through what the individual does, how they turn a situation around through their ability to perform to a high level like Tevez, or how someone changes from a life of crime to someone who does good. You probably have a favourite redemption story for yourself, or certainly one that comes to mind as we discuss this morning. Yet what I want to talk to you about today isn't this type of redemption story, but the biblical account of the greatest redemption story of all time, our redemption story. And the incredible thing about our redemption story is that it came through someone else's actions. 
It was nothing to do with us, but it was all to do with Jesus. And we will be looking at that in more detail today as we continue to look at Ephesians 1 and how God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So what I want to do is to look at verses 3 to 7 in Ephesians 1 so that we get a full picture of what's going on to help us unpack what it means to be redeemed. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasure of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of that cascading riches of his grace. In this letter, Paul is writing to the Ephesians to define to the believing community the church as the body of Christ. Paul's great emphasis in this letter is to speak about the church as being the body of Christ. We should never think of the church as being an organisation, but an organism. It is living, it is active, it is Jesus in the world. And, and Paul begins this letter by discussing how the church was formed in the mind of God before the world began. If we look at the church overall, the first amazing truth about it is that it was planned before the foundation of the world was formed which we read about in verse four. In love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. If you want to know how much value there is on your life, why you have so much worth, if you want to know how loved you are, then highlight these verses in your Bible. Before the world was made, God had chosen you to be a part of his body. How did God plan to make that work out? What was his master plan to bring the body into reality, to make that relationship between us and him happen? And the word is redemption. God had to redeem us because every single one of us were in chains to a thing called sin. Every one of us were slaves to sin. And we fully get to understand what it means to be redeemed when we look at the original language and the Greek meaning of the word redeemed. In the Greek, there are four words that are translated from the derivative of the word redeemed. And I want to go through each of those for us this morning, as I believe it will help identify the truth of how incredibly valuable and loved we are by God. Please forgive me if I pronounce any of these wrong. As a youth will know, I am not even great at reading English words, never mind Greek words. So the first one is the Greek word agorazo, and it means the marketplace for slaves. We read about this type of redemption in Revelation 5, 9, and it says, 
and they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem, to agorazo us. You purchased us to bring us to God. Out of every tribe, language, people group and nation, you have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Jesus entered the marketplace for slaves. He left heaven and entered the marketplace. Now, it's extremely difficult to talk about slavery because it is absolutely shocking to comprehend what humans did across the world. It's probably the worst atrocity that ever has been committed against humanity. But let me tell you a little bit about the slave market in biblical times to understand why that word would be used. The people who were buying people in biblical times would treat them like animals. They would check their teeth. They would hit them and beat them to check their endurance and strength. They would mock them and curse them to check their temperament. It's unbelievable to us to think of this being done. And the reason that agorazo is used is because Jesus left heaven and he entered a marketplace for slaves. Paul in Philippians says that Jesus became a slave to redeem us. And if you needed reminding, Jesus was beaten, he was mocked and he was cursed. I always find Good Friday such a difficult day as I remember what Jesus actually went through in order to redeem us. And the first word, the first Greek word fully speaks of the truth of what Jesus went through in order for our redemption. The second word for redeemed is ex agorazo. It's simply the same word as the first word, but with a prefix. We find the word in Galatians 3, and it means out of the marketplace for slaves. So if agorazo means the marketplace for slaves, when you put the prefix on it, it means out, out of. And Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So Christ has taken us out of the curse of the law. So not only did Jesus become a slave, but he got us out of the slave market. We were sold to sin. Romans 6 says we were sold under sin. In other words, Satan runs the slave market. And what he does is he puts every single person in the auction and sells us to a sin. All of us at some points in our lives have been a slave to sin. Those sins may look completely different to each person. You may struggle with anger or with lust or with pride or with gossip. But whatever it is, we have all been in chains to something at some point in our lives. And what Jesus does is he comes down from heaven. He enters the marketplace and takes us out of the slave market. And a wonderful example of this can be found in the Old Testament book of Hosea. Hosea is told to go and marry a prostitute, to buy her out of the slave market. Hosea buys a woman named Goma and they have three children together and then she leaves him and goes back into prostitution. Then the Lord speaks this to Hosea in chapter 3 verses 1 to 2. Then the Lord ordered me, start all over, love your wife again. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people. Even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. Hosea responded, 
I did it. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. What the Lord is saying is that the reason I want you to do this, Hosea, is because I want you to tell my people that even though they continue to go back to their false gods, I love them. And this is also an incredible example of what Jesus has done for us. He frees us from the curse of the slave market. The third Greek word that is translated to redeemed us is lutrosis, and it means the full payment of a slave. In Hebrews 9:12, it says, he did not enter by means of the blood of a goat and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. This word means the full ransom, Jesus paid the full payment for us. The full payment wasn't like the football market where you can buy players for hundreds of millions of pounds, which is of course a lot of money. The full payment here is the ultimate price, the highest price that has ever been paid for anything or anyone. The price is the blood of Jesus and it was paid by God for you because he loves us so much. The fourth word is similar to the third and again has a prefix, it's apolutrosis. And in the Greek, when you add the prefix apo, it means to return to its original state. So the definition of this means the full payment of a slave's freedom. You're not just buying this person or the slave to be a slave for you, but you're buying the person's freedom to never be a slave again. To go back to an original passage in Ephesians, it says, in him we have apolutrosis, redemption. In him we have freedom. We have the full payment of our freedom. That's what the verse is saying, that we have the full payment of our freedom through the blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. It's nothing to do with us. It's all by the grace of God. One of the biggest misconceptions of Christianity is that if you become a Christian, you have to live by a load of rules and restrictions. However, you must understand that without Christ, we are in bondage. And it's only by becoming a Christian do you get true freedom. We've recently done a series with the youth, and as part of that, we've looked at how people view truth in society and how it has become something subjective and how some people don't view truth as absolute anymore, which is completely contradictory to what Jesus says in the Bible, because Jesus says he is the truth. And once you know the truth, once you know him, it will set you free. You see, the world nowadays thinks true freedom comes from doing whatever you want and being whatever you want. It is epitomised in my daughter's favourite film, Frozen, when Elsa sings, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. But doing whatever you want doesn't bring true freedom. It keeps you in that marketplace and only Jesus can bring you to true freedom. Galatians 4, 7 says, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Jesus entered the marketplace of slaves. The son of God, Jesus Christ, became a slave so that we could all be redeemed out of the slave market. 
He paid the full price for us with his blood and he didn't just buy us, but he returned us to our original state of true freedom, which is sons and daughters of the Most High. Praise Jesus. As we finish, I would love to share a story of a little boy carrying his new boat to the river. He placed it in the water and let out the string. All at once, a strong current caught the boat. He tried to pull it back to shore, but the string broke and the little boy's boat raced downstream. The boy searched for the boat until night fell and he went back home with a heavy heart. A few days later, he saw the boat in a, in a store window. He spoke to the store manager and said, Sir, that's my boat in your window. I made it. Sorry, son, but someone else brought it in this morning. And if you want it, you will have to buy it for $1. The boy used all his savings and brought back the boat. As he left the store, he hugged the boat and said, Now you're twice mine. First I made you and now I have redeemed you. So I have a response for you. Firstly, if you haven't yet given your life over to Jesus, I would encourage you to do that today. If you are listening to this talk and just feel like you are trapped in that lie that doing whatever you want, whenever you want, is bringing you true freedom. If you can feel the weight of being in chains to sin, then I would encourage you to say yes to the Redeemer, the truth giver who brings true freedom. Give your life to Jesus. And secondly, if you are following Jesus, yet you feel like you're stuck in the marketplace for sin, you still feel like you go back to it, I would encourage you to hand those over to God today. Ask for his forgiveness and help in staying as far away from that marketplace as possible. God didn't purchase you and pay the full price for you, the ultimate price for you, to stay in that marketplace of sin. Your freedom has been fully paid for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, my Redeemer, thank you for the truth we have learned about this morning, that you paid it all. You left heaven and entered the marketplace for slaves. You took our punishment and died on the cross in our place for our full freedom. We are sorry for the times in our lives when we have turned our backs on you. We ask for your full forgiveness and to help us stay focused on you every day of our lives as we live out our true identity of sons and daughters of the Most High. Jesus, we just love you so much and we thank you. Amen. Amen.